Pelotero Pickle, episode 34. We've got opening week just rundown. We got, we're got we taking a look at a bunch of situations for an opening week. Uh, we're talking about how we watch baseball games. Francisco Lindor got paid. Biggest differences between professional and non-professional infielders. And uh, no-hitter situations. Guys getting pulled with no-nos. Good, bad, ugly. Should we do it? Let's find out. Pickle, pickle, pickle. Episode 34 is April 5th. We're going to recap the first, what, three, four days of baseball. Uh, Chris, how are you doing today? Doing good, Bobby. We're going to recap everything except the Mets and the Nationals because they didn't play baseball. Yeah, they had, they had a no-vid situation. No no playing baseball when you have COVID. It sounds like they're getting more, uh, more results back today. Hopefully they are allowed to play baseball. Maybe. But probably not. But who knows? Because maybe. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird that out of seems like out of nowhere. Just FYI, nobody did podcasts in 1997 when goatees were popular. Oh, thanks for noticing. Yeah, it started as a joke, and then my wife was like, "I'll leave it. It's funny." And I was like, "All right, we'll go for it." So you're the only person that's made a comment so far. So looks like a French painter. Thank you. Keep going. You got anything else? You got more? Nah, it looks like a French painter. We just gotta get you a beret. Okay. Uh, we had a picture of some guy from uh, what was the show? Uh, so they're like Sons of Anarchy guy. I look just like him when I if I go like this. If I have a flannel shirt on and a vest and I slick my hair back, I could be in Sons of Anarchy. Nice. I look just like that guy. What's that guy's name? Uh, Charlie Hunnam. Charlie Hunnam. Look him up. Read a book. I look like him. 2021. So, nobody reads. It's one of the most popular shows of all time, I think. I've never seen it, but that's what I've been told. So we got first week of the season. Um, a lot of stuff going on, a lot of good games. Uh, I, I watched a decent amount of baseball. Uh, one of my favorite things, I saw a tweet, and it was like, Buster Posey had two homers, Albert Pools had a homer, and somebody else had a couple homers. I forget who. Longoria had a couple homers. And the guy was like, what kind of 2012 is going on right now? And I was like, yeah, my guys. Uh, Pools is in trouble, though, because this guy Walsh hit two homers yesterday. And he looks pretty good. And he's young. And he's not slower than Albert. He's probably faster than Albert. Which he is- showtimed his walk-off homer that Lewis Robert almost caught. It was a good showtime. Listen, like- if you, in that situation, if he catches it, you're not going to really advance anywhere because you got two guys on. There's two but- outs. It's a good time to showtime. Two outs or one out? I thought it was one out. I don't know. Either way, if the guy in se- I'm pretty sure it's one out. The guy in second scores, the game's over, so you could take your time anyway. Uh, if he catches it, you're out. You can't really go past first anyway. So if there's a moment for you to potentially look cool, I think that's a good time to do it. Yeah, but he showtime and then he panicked because he wasn't sure. It was a nice showtime. It was very like, I'm going to be casual. indifferent. It was I'm like, a, be- like a very not Griffey Griffey. Like putting yeah. that down a walk. I, those are kind of like my favorite kinds when, when guys – disrespect the guy by saying like god i knew i was gonna hit a homer i can't believe somebody made me have to do it i can't believe you actually made me go through the act of hitting a homer this is irritating and he did it so the only the only games i've watched are the three or four angels games i'm an angels fan now joe madden guy i think they get a lot i'm gonna hype them up all year because i want trout in the playoffs we need good stuff going on no, we need a ground root, grassroots effort to get 
fanfare. I I did the IBF show with Joe Madden and talked about going to his his house. He's got you know Joe Madden is Joe Madonini. It's not actually Madden, so he's a paisan at heart through and through. I don't know if many people know that. So his family changed his name. That's why I always wondered why he had an Italian restaurant in Tampa. Clutch obviously wondered the same thing, which is why he just turned his head. He missed being on the show, so he just crawled up on my lap. Um, but yeah, Joe Madonini is his actual name. That's way more exciting exciting than Madden. Yeah, I think so. He's got an Italian restaurant in Tampa. Yeah. I've been there. Also, Otani. I I thought I had a funny tweet yesterday. If you dropped if you drop Otani into Babe Ruth era situation, I think he would win forty to fifty games on the mound and then hit four hundred homers. And also also more importantly, nobody would be able to catch him. They used to have like the oven mitts back then. <laughs> it would be like Brandon Frazier in the scout when the guy gets knocked over. That that would happen if Otani went back to nineteen twenty two. Pretty ridiculous to hit a homer in the first step out of a game and be throwing a hundred. I think it's kind of ridiculous. I think it's something I could do, probably, but not many other people. You could throw a hundred point seven, point six. I'll figure it out. You should have done that instead. Uh, Miguel Cabrera homer. Did you see that one in the snow? Yeah, that was pretty cool. Somebody, I think, I think that the, the over the shoulder view, like the view down the first baseline is one of it, it may be the the most epic home run video of all time somebody texted me that our the pelotero uh instagram video of it was mesmerizing that was the word that was used yeah it's the slow-mo classic cabrera movements um oppo homer so he had the whole kickback and you know that's what he does it's just epic to, to hit a homer in a blizzard like that first homer of the year it was blizzard it was Traditional yeah, Northeast why, baseball weather. In that's why baseball. nobody, nobody north of like Kentucky, should play an outdoor game until at least May. I mean, college teams do it. College teams go south for the first yeah. month of the season. Nobody they said they golf. were smart. Like nobody said golf, they were smart. Golf, they do like the Florida swing, where they do all the tournaments in Florida and in other in Texas. And they're gonna go to Georgia for the Masters this week. Big week for golf. Uh, just yeah, just play all Southern games and stay in uh, dome games. It's easy. I don't know why everybody doesn't have a dome. I think I've said this already. Just have a dome. If the Rangers have a dome and the Rays have a dome, how do the Twins not have a dome? What do what northern so the Milwaukee has a dome? Are they the only northern Seattle? They're, they're yeah, northern. that's retractable. But like Fenway, Yankee Stadium, uh, Minnesota, yeah, the, Met, the Mets don't have one. The Blue Jays have one. Obviously. Blue Jays, yeah. Ratio should be better. Ratio of domes to no domes should be better in the North. Minnesota, Detroit, and Cleveland have no business not having a cover. Cleveland, yep. Well, that yeah, tough to disagree with that one. Uh, every single reliever throws a billion now. They've been doing it for a while. The issue, I I can't get over this. The guy was it the? I think it was the the Padres were playing the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks guy, the pitcher threw it. He threw a two-seamer, and it went like this. It looked like a change-up break. It looked like a change-up, like just dying, but it was 95. The Everything from behind looks way better than it is. Let, the, the thing I have a problem with is every reliever throws 100, but so I, I told you I, watched, I only watched the Angels and the White Sox, really. The dude that gave up the homer to win the game 
missed every spot he threw a pitch to. He like he threw like they were setting up up to Trout, and he threw fastballs down twice, and then he ended up striking him out on a no three times, all three times he got strikes, he got two takes and a swing and miss on fastballs down. Now that speaks to how good the stuff is, but like obviously he's spinning the heck out of the ball. That's why Trout didn't swing at two fastballs at the bottom of the zone, but. Well, he's I mean, a sinker guy, right? Sinker guy. No, no, no. The four seam dude. Morgan. Is that his name? I wasn't watching. Patrick told I got yeah. really that information from Patrick. No, uh, he's a Maybe. straight, straight Foster. Foster or Morgan. I don't know. It's one of those traditional American names. I'm getting I'm getting conflicting information here. So I can't I can't straight four seamers. Just throws fireballs. It's like ninety six. But straight as a straight as a string. And the funny thing about it is coming into that at bat. Uh, apparently Mike Trout had commented on the fact that Walsh doesn't miss fastballs and he certainly did not miss it. No. And is it like thing, a 32nd rounder, by the way, 1195th overall pick. He's hit everywhere he's been. All he does is hit, 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 no matter what. How about the Mercedes dude on the White Sox just pulling a Colabello playing in the Pecos League in like 2014 and now he's in the show getting eight hits in a row. Yeah, my favorite thing about that guy is when he does his two-strike thing, and everybody commented about this on Twitter, he literally just stands there and doesn't do anything. <laughs> he just does nothing and then rotates as hard as he can. Yeah. But clearly, all he does is hit, 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 no matter what. Is that You think that's the, the best story of opening week? Uh, I mean, you go eight for eight to start your career. It's decent. Like it's, I mean, it's a lot to live up to now, you know. But he can hit. I mean, you know why he can hit? Because all he's ever done is hit. Yeah, so like he can hit. Yeah, he, I, I saw a blog somewhere that said like, oh, something clicked for him. And then I went back and looked at his career stats. He just, he's hit 300 everywhere. Yeah, what clicked for him is like. He got put in the right game. They yeah. Like, hey, come play, come play over here today. They, like, they oh, let him play in the too. cool kids game. Yeah. If you let yeah, guys uh, hit playing the cool kids game, they're probably going to hit. He did. I think his, I need to look up his Pecos League stats because it was, uh, what's his name? Lewis? Lewin? Mercedes, Mercedes Benz, Mercedes White Sox, Yemen. Also, Yemen. my favorite knock he had was he was 0 for 3 on Saturday night, and a bat exploded on him, and he ended up getting a base hit on a ground ball to third base or shortstop, shortstop-ish. Yeah, so in the Pecos League, I, I, I thought it was 416. He actually hit 417. 37 games. 417, 13 doubles, 15 homers, 56 RBI, OPS of 1.259. That's pretty good. Um, Pecos League treated it like he was a just like a stud pro guy just playing in college for a season. 37 games. Yeah. 15 homers. He's he's Cuban, right? Where so how do you end up in the Pecos League from Cuba? Did he not get signed? Did he not Dominican. Play for... He's Dominican. Dominic... Oh, Dominican. Okay. He uh he went he was at Nationals for three years. And then got released. In the Dominican, the the DOSL. Yeah. So the Dominican Summer League for three years with the Nationals. Uh, fourteen. He was in the Pecos League. San Angelo. What's a UNLB? I don't even know what that is. United Baseball League. United League Baseball. Where is that? Independent League? Yeah, and then, he went to, then he was in Lise, Dominican Winter League. And then Sally League. And then Lise again. Then High A, regular A. Lise again. Double A, High A, High A, 
Like this dude's like put up numbers. He's a career 307 hitter across yeah, all levels. Because if you can hit, then you can hit. I don't understand how hard this is. To be good at hitting, you got to get hits. And then 20, you... 28 years old. In the show. He's in the show. Yeah. Good for him. And yeah. And you know what? What do you think he would have hit in the Canaan League circa 2008? Probably would not hit me. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Had to ask. Uh, so, general question when you're watching games, so like last night you're watching White Sox Angels, what are you looking for? What things do you pay attention to when you watch games on TV? Well, I, when Jose Abreu had an at bat with a runner on third, less than two outs, uh, and it was a really tall drink of water, 6'10 guy, tallest pitcher in Angels history, I think, uh, throwing sinker balls. And te- technically, I guess I watch what good hitters do in relation to pitches. So Jose Abreu is obviously a pretty good hitter. And I was texting with Brock Stassi, the brother of Max Stassi, who was catching in that game. And uh, Max's hair is tremendous, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned it. Yeah, also, his at bats are pretty good, too. Yeah. Um, so, like, Abreu swung and missed at two straight sinker balls. And I text Brock and I said, Hey, somebody should let Abreu know he's throwing sinkers. Um, but usually, if you get back to back swings and misses from a good hitter like that uh, on a certain pitch, that's when I know something's going on. But then I also sit there and wonder how. Um, like guys like Lewis Robert, who are so talented, could swing at three straight. Uh, Rymel Iglesias, is that his name? Uh, three straight sliders in the other box. Because clearly, like, there's not a lot of thinking going on there um, in the sense just of just general awareness. But I don't know. I, I get frustrated at it a little bit and then remember that baseball is hard. And sometimes in the moment, it's harder to really focus on things. Um, one thing I looked at was uh, when – Actually, sorry that I heard that really just kind of made me laugh was when Max Stassi walked and then uh, I think I can't remember who came up, but uh, he goes, A-Rod goes, this is a really good hit and run situation. And I was like, does anybody in the big leagues ever hit and run? Is that like even a thing anymore? Jeff Fry always talks about how he had, he had the ability to put the hit and run on himself because he's a man and he played in the big leagues. So he talks about it all the time. I, I just didn't, I didn't really understand. Like I get it. Like Fletcher's up, who's like a huge contact guy, but Max Stassi's on first, taking a one foot lead, and A Rod's like, "This is a good time to hit and run." And I was like, "What?" I was like, "What's a good time to hit and run?" I was there like, was a lot of a lot of chatter about ESPN should hire people that don't hate baseball. Yeah, I mean, I, I just thought it was interesting. I don't know. I, I, I would just rather, like, I, what, what am I watching for in games? I'm watching for body language. I don't know. Commentary kind of gets me going sometimes. But I'm watching for body language. Whenever I get to see stuff that is not seen on the normal screen, I'm looking for defensive positioning. I'm trying to figure out why guys are playing guys in a certain place. I, I think, I don't know, like last night when, when Abreu was up, and he's got a sinker, a tall sinker baller on the mound. And they're playing in, in the infield with a runner on third, less than two outs. And they went full pull side shift with the infield in. So three yeah, infielders on the left Yeah. Three infielders on the left side, second, first baseman almost halfway to second. So he's got the whole right side of the infield open. And against a sinker baller like that, I think your approach should be more to right field, right? It should be more hit the ball deep. Like you don't want to strike out and you ended up punching out, but 
it's neither here nor there. Um, what else do I watch for? Uh, clearly pitchers fielding practice. Um, <laughs> Iglesias couldn't throw the ball to a base last night. Uh, had, I think that the White Sox scored five, four runs on all unearned last night. They had three hits, scored four runs. So clearly like defense wasn't great. Um, I don't know. I just look to see, I look for stuff that most people don't, I guess. What about you? I usually just watch hitters. How I, I really like watching hitters between pitches. If they're telling you what they're trying to think about or feel, try to read them. Um, I like watching catchers and their like nonverbal interactions with pitchers. Like, are they setting up targets? Are they like trying to pump them up before a pitch? Uh, how they move behind the plate. I, I like watching. Um, when you watch the games on TV, you're, you're mostly seeing that pitcher hitter, you know, that, that, that view. Um, so it's tough to watch like the communication between infielders. If I'm at a game live, I'm watching what they're doing, how they're positioning, um, how they're getting ready for, you know, what their pre-pitch routines are. Um, always watching just the arm actions on guys, like throwing the ball around the infield, just the casualness and the precision that they can do it at. Um, just actions. a word. Yeah, I just said it, so it's a word. Nice. Casual dashness. It's a hyphenated adjective. This to- this next topic we're talking about infielders. The biggest difference biggest difference you see between the pro defenders and amateur defenders. This was uh prompted by two separate things. Number one, just general Iglesias and Anderson stuff. There was a video of Tim Anderson like going up the middle, making a play, just like just flinging it. It's like sidearm casual, probably harder than I can throw the ball. Um, and then there were a couple guys here. They got the turf infield. Um, we were here on over the weekend and there was a team here and there was a former professional guy taking ground balls. It was like a team doing fungos. And one of the coaches was mixing in clearly a former pro. And then the bunch of like 12 year olds who were pretty good in their own right. Uh, but I was just watching this guy. I'm like, this guy's definitely played the game before. And I was just talking about like the creep, like the pre-pitch creep where it's like you're low, you're moving constantly, the way you kind of have the glove. Not like out, like you know, it's not like hands out like this, like uh, like they would teach an eight-year-old in a stupid clinic. But it's just kind of like this casual prepping, reading, um, kind of like walking into it type movements. Uh you've seen your fair share of professional defenders. Like who, who are your best defenders and what stood out about them? When I took ground balls with Lindor every day, like it, it was just, it just looked so, it looked so easy. And, and when I say easy, it literally looked slow. Like most big league players, really good big league fielders do things super slow, especially in practice. And they just figure out how to, play the time clock in their head. They figure out how to do things under control. The biggest difference I've always said is a major leaguer makes the same play on the ball in the first inning with nobody on, nobody out the same way they do in the ninth inning with the winning run on second base. And they're just really good at doing routine things. And then within, I guess, within the confines of that, that's when you figure out how to do really cool stuff. Uh, So watching Lindor take ground balls, he would take the paddle. He had his Rawlings platinum glove paddle that they sent him as one of his 14 gloves that got sent in a huge box. I used to get my boxes in like, I mean, my gloves in like, I don't know, 
a small box, a normal size one. He got like a warehouse box with all his clubs in it with his like little platinum Rawlings thing on it. And one of them was the paddle. And he would literally do one handed stuff with the paddle, but he just flip the ball up to himself. So he would do backhands and flip it to himself as he was like setting up his feet to throw. So the thing that you have to learn to do to, to be able to do that stuff is you have to go slow, right? You can't do things fast. And then when you practice them, you do them really slow. Every time I watch young players play, it looks like a game of hot potato. Every time like a ball gets hit to them, it's like, oh, gloves on fire. Got to get it out, throw it. Instead of really understanding how to set your body up to be successful on every play. Um, yeah, the pre-pitch creep thing is, is something I think very underutilized by young players. Like you just stay in motion. It's just all tempo, right? It's the same thing in hitting. I think young players don't understand tempo whatsoever. And when I think of tempo, I think of different rhythms and ballads and music and songs and dance. So I don't know. I just think even I'll go see the college guys today. They'll be going a thousand miles an hour. And I'm like, can you just slow down? And that's why you make errors because you're going too fast. Yeah. I think the the internal clock on pro guys there, I think they have the arm strength to know that they can, they can throw it as hard as they need to based on the clock. So they, they take their time receiving the ball. They take their time controlling it and they can just unleash it to whatever they need to. Um, yeah, that's good. I had another, another thing to say there, but I just completely blacked out. Well, with a goatee like that, you don't have to remember anything about it. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, speaking of Lindor, dude got his bag, got paid. Uh, we talked about this at one point. We said like the risk reward of doing the, the early contract or like the early extension, um, 10 years, 341. He was asked by a reporter, what kind of player will you be when you're 38? And he said, I'll be a bad mother effer. Yeah. That's a dude that's worth money like that. Like that mindset is, is where he comes off as like Mr. Smiles or that what is that the, the, the proper nickname mr smile he's like the happy guy the good teammate the but deep inside he's got some bad mother effer in him like he's got that 38 38's only old if you let it be so what i mean by that is you're watching guys all you have to do if you're going to give a long-term deal is decipher what type of guy you're getting and this might not be consistent and it might be harder than I'm making it out to be or whatever, but there's some telltale traits about characteristics about people that'll let you know everything you need to know about them. Now, the paradigm could shift at some point. You could change your motivation. You could be on a bad team, but humbly speaking, if you get players that love playing and love not losing, so you have to love those two things. You have to love playing the game and you have to love not losing. And it seems like a, such a simple concept. You'd go, oh, every player in the major leagues is like that. No, that ain't it. Because at some point, some guys let it become a job, and they make it about making money. And the only thing you can do is distinguish, you know, character traits and personality stuff. Now, obviously, injuries could play a role in this. But just from a personal standpoint, there's certain guys that I don't have a problem giving truckload, like back up the truck, give them whatever they want. And this is one of them. And I said that for a while. I think he's a great human, uh, great player, obviously, and believes in himself and 
he's going to be great. Like, he's just going to be great. You can be really good when you're 38. You can be really good when you're 48 if you want to be. The, the difference is you just have to spend more time doing things that you need to do to play the game. And Tom Brady has proved that over and over and over again. Uh, the, the, the only thing that shifts is where you need to spend the majority of your focus. And, you know, do you have to commit a couple extra hours a day to do things that are tedious, like get on a massage table, um, doing your all, all your recovery and, and, and PT work during the season to make sure that you can get back out on the field the next day. And that's the stuff that it's really challenging. I, I, I talked to, uh, to Gronk a couple years ago and, you know, this is right before he retired, it was right before they won the, their last Super Bowl in New England. And he said, Chris, I hate Monday to Saturday. But I still love playing. I'm still really good. I'm capable of it. But I just hate Monday to Saturday because now you have to spend an extra two to three hours in the training room doing cold tub, hot tub. And as much as those things seem like they're just easy to deal with, like after a while, they become irritating. Or at least until they're part of your everyday routine, especially as you get older and you have a family and, you know, house and you have all the resources in the world and, and money and things like that. But then you got to spend six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 hours a day at the stadium. And in baseball, obviously you're talking about running the rat race for seven months or whatever it is. So I get it. Um, but with this guy, I just, whatever you want, whatever he wants, give it to him. What do you think about uh, the Astros making like a 20 million, uh, 20 million per year offer to Korea? I think it's embarrassing a little bit. I think they should be embarrassed that they offered so much less than what's real. And I, you know what, maybe they're playing, maybe it's a game. Maybe it's, maybe they're trying to look like, Oh, look how much we compromised. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, like the market is telling you what a player of his caliber is worth. And I, there's no scenario in which he accepts anything less than 27, 28, 29 million, depending on the years. So what, like, why would you, why would you do that? Like I what the number was pretty wild. Yeah. What purpose does it serve? It's embarrassing. Is it just to say you, you, you made an offer, so it's on the table and then I guess it's the, on the player now to do whatever. I don't know. Correa, I don't think he's not as good as, as Lindor, but he's young. He's, you're going to stick him out there. He's going to do well. He's going to play well. It's kind of crazy. I mean, he's a, he's one of the top 10 shortstops in the game, right? He's, he can hit do some things, body profiles well, that even if he loses a couple steps later on in his life and go to third, do whatever. I think he's played, has he played third already? He played third already for a little bit, didn't he? Or has he always been a shortstop? Maybe it was an all-star game or something. I don't know. Oh, no, he played third. He played third at the WBC. That's what I remember. Mr. Patrick was all over that. Well, the only reason he knows that is because he was watching me hit rockets. Because Lindor was that short, he said. That's fair. So that'll tell. That's everything you need to know. If if he's playing, uh, if he's playing third in the WBC and Lindor's at short, that I mean, those games are playing to win. You're going to put your best player out there. Is uh, Tim Anderson's not his contract situation? He did six year, twenty five extension. Club options for two thousand twenty three and two thousand twenty four. Yeah, he's that's. If he keeps producing, he's going to get paid. He can play. I think he had a little hammy last night. Yep. Something. And Laurie Garcia ended up in the game. A uh, couple interesting situations 
we had uh, some no-hitters. We talked about Jack Leiter last week, emphatically said he should not opt out for the rest of the year, finally gave up some hits in the, in the SEC. He had like, was it nine strikeouts through three innings or something? Like, he's just ridiculous. Um, and then we had Barrios and some guy in the Brewers I've never heard of, had no-hitters through six burns. Some guy throwing 97-mile-an-hour cutters, just missing barrels. Bauer had a no-hitter through six as well, I believe, and then he gave up four. It's because he was trying that day. He was trying? Yeah, did you see his interview in spring training where he said he wasn't trying, and um, Scott Service had the the whole comeback? That was funny. I didn't see that. He was uh, pitching with so one Barrios, eye closed. Barrios got pulled – with a no-hitter, 85 pitches through six. Uh, Bauer went out after six innings and gave it gave up a couple homers. Uh, this Burns guy came out and then, what's his name, hit a homer. What's the center fielder name for the Twins? I should know it. Buxton, thank you. Um, he looks good, by the way. Buxton, he also got hurt, or he had a sickness, non-COVID-related illness, so he got taken out of the game. Does that just mean he pooped his pants? Like, did he have diarrhea Probably. or something? Yeah. Tommy Hurts throwing up. Um, we, we talk about poop a lot. Yeah. It, it deserves more chatter. Uh, but Buxton took him deep. He Buxton looks good. He's getting ready early. And I saw an interview. He's like, oh, I'm finally trusting how quick my hands are. It's like, no kidding. You're one of the probably top five athletes in the big leagues. Like, yeah, you have fast hands. Just wait. Um but he took him deep and then came out. The Burns guy came out right after. So I saw some chatter, some Twins fans. I'm still, I still got a lot of Twins Twitter because when you were with with the Twins, I followed a lot of people, a lot of the press people. Uh, a lot of Twins ch- Twins Twitter was upset that they took Barrios out um, with a with the no hitter option, and then everybody's like, "Yeah, but it's his first start. Like it's a long season. They think they're gonna make have a good chance of the playoffs this year." Um, just interesting that you know Corbin took lighter out with uh, you know, no need to keep him in. They were winning, I think, 12 nothing at the time. Now, in the big leagues, they're taking guys out of no hitters. I think traditionally, you keep guys out there. I don't know anything anymore. Somebody took a no hitter in their first start of the year. Uh, was it Nomo against the Orioles? I think he threw it on opening day. Still like 2002, 1998. Producer Patrick just said, oh, one. We need to get him like uh, PTI style with Tony Kornhauser or whatever his name is. Who's the guy that does it on there? Uh, the stat guy just chiming in whenever we need him. The thing, the thing, it can be right or it can be wrong or it can be wrong and it can be right or it could be maybe, but probably not only sometimes. That we're talking about stuff that, I don't know. You can't do cool things anymore if you don't get the opportunity. Now, I will say this. Generally speaking, your first start or two of the year, you don't probably, you know, blow the gaskets. But I don't know. If, if those starts were in the middle of the year and they were at 89 pitches through seven or six, you run them back out there, still probably not running them out there. The only way you can throw a no-hitter in today's day and age is if it's economical. Like, there's never going to be a 130-pitch no-hitter ever again. Ever. What if it's Game Seven of the World Series? Nah, it didn't Billy happen last year. On the mound. Billy Chapel's on the mound. Blake's Blake Snell last was made start of his career. 
they took him out in the fourth or third or whatever it was, second. Start starters notoriously going. I, it bothers me. Like the the beauty of a starter was his ability to chew up innings and get you deep into a game and give your team a chance to 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 stay in the game. I guess and that's just gone. I, so it's I don't know. I don't know. But you got a bunch of relievers that throw hard and can't hit spots. So I don't know if that's good or bad. That's why there shouldn't be an automated strike zone. By the way, just FYI, I'm saying that right now. There shouldn't. There should not be an automated strike zone. What was the argument? If you have a bunch of relievers that miss their spots badly, that throw a hundred and have nasty stuff, like they should be, they should have to hit their spots, like or at least be in the ballpark. Like you shouldn't get the call like for for a hundred years and hey, you know, young players will be like, what? No, it's strike. If it's a strike, it's a strike. For a hundred years, players got rewarded based on where the catcher set up if you hit gloves and like you're consistent at it if you create an automated strike zone what you see i mean the transitions happen where umpires are trying to call the game based on the box instead of their eyes now there, there's got to be some touch and feel there right like you throw it down the middle it's one thing but if you throw it from one side of the plate to the other and you miss the spot that badly you don't deserve that pitch if you if you're set up at the top of the zone like last night the guy was set up at the top of the zone and missed down and he's on the borderline should be a ball like every time because if you make it an automated strike zone, that actually creates an advantage for guys that have better stuff because now they can miss all around the strike zone and still get away with it. I'm not wrong. Yeah, I, I hate the – if it's a strike, it's a strike. Uh, top of the zone strikes are – I had an interaction with Pitching Ninja the other day. Some college kid threw like this, like top of the zone breaking ball to a righty to a lefty. It's like one of those – it's like it's coming, it's coming in – on you like from the top it's impossible to hit you can't like you try to stay inside it you can't get any you're like just jammed up if you try to get the head out it's gonna go foul no matter what it's like the impossible pitch location like that's not a strike yeah it was called a strike and i just kept saying like it's ball it's a ball it's a ball and he kept saying well the umpire called it a strike i'm like yeah but it was a ball like it's not the first time an umpire's made a bad call not the last i Uh, dylan batansis threw me a three two like accidental, like backup breaking ball. McCann was set up down and away, and he reached back all the way to the top inside corner of the zone. Like so, he just—I mean, it was like a just a terrible pitch. Just all all things considered, a terrible pitch. And uh, I can't remember who was umpiring, but they called a strike three, and I was like, "That's not a strike." So yes, it is. And I went back, and on K zone, it was actually a strike, but it's definitely not a strike. It's not a strike. You like if a guy's set up out here and he has to reach all the way back to the other side of the plate. Like, you know, Rich Gedman taught me that for seven, six years. I sat in a dugout with him, and he always used to say to me, if the catcher doesn't move, it's fine. If you see a catcher move his hand left or right to catch a pitch, it's not a strike. He goes, if catcher centers the ball up, I don't care. I'll give you an inch or two off the, off the corner if you've earned it. You proved it. And that's what Greg Maddox got. Like, that's what Tom Glavin got. If, you, if you've proved that you can establish that, and it makes command more valuable than stuff. It makes command more valuable than 99, you know? Uh, look, in an ideal world, you have both, but I don't know. In today's day and age, I think a lot of hitters should. The the reason why walks are are going up or should are true outcomes. You can go up there and stand there against a lot of guys, and they'll throw four balls before they throw three strikes. I always just say that about Kelvin Herrera. If I just went up to bat and didn't swing, I'd be better off. I either I, I would either walk or strike out against him, and then I'd be like, no, 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 I'm going to try to get hit this time. So I just stood there, take my chances. Like, uh, was it Barry Bonds 
in 2003, if he just never swung the bat, his on-base percentage would have been over 500. Something, something stupid like that. Yeah. Would have led the league. Uh, I got one post-show topic. NCAA. I have one post-show, to- I have one post-show topic, too. NCAA, did you, did you watch the Gonzaga-UCLA game? No, but I heard it was rated as one of the top three college basketballs of all time by uh, Joe Johnson in uh, – you know, rural Iowa. He was watching the game. No, somebody, somebody that I know that I follow on Twitter rated it as one of the top three college games ever. Seen. It was a, it was an excellent game. We, uh, one of my favorite things to do during the NCAA tournament, men's tournament, and in any basketball game really, because I think it's funny, is do like a real time, like how much time will this game actually take in real life, versus the clock. So we set the over under at like twenty minutes with two minutes and 40 seconds left or something like that. Definitely went over. Each team still had three timeouts. Uh, or it was like, they, there's a lot of timeouts left. There's going to be commercial timeout. There's like, gonna. it's basically like, how many times are they going to foul? It, the, the regulation game was way under 20 because it was tied. If you need like, you need like a four point spread so that they're fouling to try to like kill the, you know, play the whole, like hit a three, make a missed free throw that whole bit. Um, but UCLA just kept hanging around, hanging around, hanging around. The one sequence where the guy, um, UCLA, I think, had an op- op- opportunity to go up, and the guy blocked the shot, ran it down, bounced past to a guy for a dunk for Gonzaga. It was awesome. Like they were going back and forth. The final kind of situation where the guy missed a shot, got his own rebound, put it back up with. Three yeah, seconds left. Sequence. UCLA they, was going crazy, and then the guy just comes down and hits, like, banks the three. They were one of the first four in, too. They were 11 seed. That's all. I, I, the only thing I wish was that they weren't UCLA and they were, like, McNeese State. That would make it cooler. Yeah, it's tough. Like, UCLA is a pretty big name to be an underdog. Yeah. But, yeah, it was it was a great game. Really fun to watch. I think tonight it's Baylor, Gonzaga, which going into the tournament, I think those were the consensus, like, top two teams. Yeah, the only thing I had was the Zags won the whole thing. Um, I think uh, they deserve it. They've been really good for a lot of years and haven't haven't gotten gotten across the finish line. It would be great to have a non-Power 5 win the national championship. So, Yeah. Uh, I'll be tuning in. I'll be watching. What's your post show? Okay. My post show is how come college players think it's supposed to be easy? in baseball like how come college players think they're supposed to get hits all the time and if they don't they like freak out i don't i don't understand can you get that any more context yeah i don't like i don't understand why college players like are are incapable or some are incapable of recognizing the emotions of the game and not to say that I did a great job with this, but using the emotions of the game to help them get better. If that makes any sense. Like, right. You get upset. So let's say you have a good first day, you play, you know, you play a game and you get a couple knocks and then you go oh for three in the next game. And then you go oh for five in the next game. So now you're, you know, two for 12 in your first weekend. Like, are you upset after two for 12? Like, should you be upset after you go two for 12? Bobby? You think? Like, were you upset? Quick pause. We got to take a quick pause because we're getting a call from Toronto. All right. Well, that'll be it. Hello. Yes. Hey, Reed. How you doing? 
Uh, yeah, can can we do this on Zoom by any chance? Or did you with with Chris? Yeah. Yeah. Can you can you send your email in uh, in that text message, and then I'll set it up. Okay. Sounds good. I'll send it over shortly. Thanks. Bye. All right. We spot it. Let's carry on. We got huh. college college players incapable of getting hits. Or yeah, I just get I get mad. I get mad at I get mad at college players because they don't use like as much as I tell guys to take the emotion out of it. Like they need to get mad when they don't succeed and figure out how to do better. Is it I mean, getting? But they panic. That's the big difference. Yeah. They panic. Like oh my god, I didn't get a hit. But sometimes like the coach will just take them out of lineup. So there's like the whole college like, a weird need paradigm. to win. Veteran guys like sometimes get the opportunity to fail more, but even sometimes they don't. I just I want I I, I want to help college kids. That's all. I just I don't like. I tell them all the time, you make a decision, you write the lineup card. And I think they don't understand that in a lot of ways. And I think sometimes, yeah, there are certainly coaches that, you know, make it difficult. But anyway, that was my, that was my post show. I'm done. Yeah, we're done. Peace. 34, pickle. Out. Out. Yeah.